Vincent and Bruno, thank you so much for joining us. Um, now, before we start talking about how Egan Asset Management and ABN AMRO have joined forces in the area of impact investing, let's spice things up a little and kick off with a statement for the both of you. You will get a chance to elaborate later on in this podcast, but for now, please just answer by yes or no. Simple, right? Uh, Vincent, first one's for you. Your statement is, only the public equity market can support the large-scale solutions needed to solve the environmental and social issues our planet is facing. What's your answer? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Okay, no, that's a no for you. And then Bruno, I have one for you as well. Asset managers need to engage more with public companies to encourage them to align their practices and offerings with the values of impact investors. Yes. That's a yes for you. Okay. Absolutely. Well, let's get things going. My name is Marije Groen, and in today's episode, impact investing can be a powerful driver for meaningful change, but does it also drive meaningful returns? That's something we'll discuss with Vincent Trichijn, Director of Sustainable Investing at ABN AMRO, and Bruno Maradai, Global Head of Responsible Investment at Aegon Asset Management. Vincent, congratulations on the Global Impact Equity Partnership. Tell me, why this collaboration? Yeah, thanks, Maria, and uh, hello, everyone. Um, it's actually a quite nice uh, story. Uh, so some time ago, we were reviewing our sustainable investing strategy. And um, yeah, it's going really well with its strategy. Yeah? So when I started in this role, we had a little uh, over 4 billion in sustainable client assets. That was five years ago. And uh, by the end of 2019, uh, we were over 20 billion in sustainable client assets. So yeah, my answer was obviously, yeah, it's going superb. And also performance-wise, yeah, these sustainable mandates were performing really well financially. And so some people in the room asked, okay, nice, yeah, sustainable investing, but what about impact investing? And there I also answered, yeah, yeah it's going really well. Yeah, we do like four, 500 million. And considering that impact investing is private markets only, yeah, that's not too bad. And then there was this uh, management consultant in the room and uh, he actually said, well, you, your peers, your international peers, they do much more, yeah? they do billions. So that started off a discussion. So I asked, yeah, is that even possible? And what about yeah, the MIFID regulation and how to deal with, with retail clients? And I think I even said at some point, impact investing is not for everyone. It's particularly for the really wealthy. It's for the development banks. And in a certain way, it's a niche. And I must say that when I said that, I was also a bit surprised about myself because it, it felt bad saying impact investing is not for everyone. Um, so I was challenged even more. And at a certain point, we decided to just ask our clients, what do you think about impact investing? And I must say it landed very well with our clients, eh? in particular with uh, the institutions and charities clients. They particularly like to pick their own SDG. And for those who don't know the SDGs, these are the Sustainable Development Goals of the United Nations. It's, a, it's an agenda of 17 sustainability goals to be reached in 2030. And what we found out is that almost everyone as a person has a, a certain SDG that he or she is passionate about. Uh, or that fits the, the strategy of the, of the organization. So for instance, for someone it's, it's poverty or inequality or, or climate change. Um, but yeah, we see that it makes people tick. So we started looking into SDG aligned investing. 
um, also in the public market space because of uh, the challenge around um, MIFID and, and retail clients. So we have had conversations with pension funds um, that have a lot of experience with SDG investing or SDIs as they call it, um, sustainable development investments. Uh, and we also consulted some experts and they said, if you do this in the public equity space, uh, you have to focus on engagement. Engagement is key. Uh, you want to change the status quo, so you have to engage with the companies that you invest in. And during the conversations with Aegon, uh, we found out that this is actually what, what Aegon is doing already on the fixed income side. So it turned out to be a very close fit, um, I must say also culturally. Uh, and so far, it's been a lot of fun working together. That sounds good. How's it been for you, Bruno? What does your cooperation actually look like? Who do, who's responsible for what, for example? Well, it's a true partnership, actually. I mean, it's almost like we're working in a joint venture enterprise. Uh, we, we're trying to work together in a completely seamless way as a joint team. Uh, we start coming together on methodology and process. So over the last few months, we've been discussing and establishing our modus operandi and the rules that we're going to apply to create this portfolio, such as what kind of screening uh, exclusions we should apply to the, to the process. Then Aegon Asset Management takes on uh, responsibility for conducting the initial impact research on a number of companies and producing uh, research inputs for consideration of a joint committee. And the joint committee is really where we come together and the magic starts to happen. Uh, there, you know, we discuss and establish an, an eligible investment universe, but also a universe of companies that we are going to target for engagement. And as Vincent said, engagement is a really key piece of the strategy that we're talking about. The investment universe is then taken by ABN to construct the best por uh, possible portfolio from a financial performance perspective. And following that portfolio investment, they hand the baton back to us. Uh, and then we're in charge of the engagement program. Uh, so then we, we will be engaging with the companies that we invest in to increase their impact and, and improve their, their impact on the world. Um, our engagement specialists feed all of this information back into the committee over time. That's the idea so that the committee is fully informed about the progress of these companies that will be in the, in the investment portfolio. And then we will jointly formulate and publish an impact report so that our clients can be fully informed about our progress. Now, in a partnership, obviously, different parties bring different qualities to the table. Vincent, what would you say was the added value of Aegon uh, in this process? Yeah, so Aegon has a long-standing history on the responsible investment side. So we already uh, knew Aegon in this field uh, because of, for instance, their partnership with the Cambridge Institute on Sustainability Leadership, CISL. Um, yeah, and that was some years ago. Um, and, and I think that project is um, especially around SDG alignment and also on reporting um, uh, on the SDGs. And Aegon has a, a fairly large team um, uh, in terms of responsible investment. So there are 14 FTE that are also involved in uh, engagement. Mm. And Bruno, what would you say then that ABN AMRO adds? Well, I think uh, what ABN Amer brings to the table is a strong equity portfolio construction and fund management team. So they're, they're well known for that. As well as the sustainability expertise that they're bringing to the joint committee. It's really a joint effort at that committee. Right, right. Well, let's talk strategy for a moment. Maybe, Bruno, can you explain the philosophy behind the impact equity strategy? Sure. 
So in a nutshell, what we're building is a high performance portfolio of listed companies based on an investment universe that we will define by the relative net impact those companies have on society and the environment. That's in a nutshell. That's a big statement. Aside, aside from the strong impact focus of our investment process, we think we can deliver significant impact as investors uh, through a targeted engagement program that will seek to boost the net positive impact of these companies, uh, as well as their related impact measurement and disclosures. Mm-hmm. Vincent, I understand that the strategy capitalizes on companies featuring a strong ESG performance and positive impact. What can you tell us about the selection process? Yeah, that's, that's correct. Eh? So regarding the selection process, we start with a fairly broad universe, uh, an index with companies in all countries. And uh, from there, have we erased the companies uh, in the universe that significantly harm uh, either one of the SDGs or uh, the companies that have a, a controversial incident regarding environmental, social or, or governance uh, topics. Um, and with this process, have we safeguard that, uh, for instance, we will never invest in, in companies related to weapons or, uh, for instance, related to tobacco production. Um, yeah, then from there, um, um, yeah, we make a further selection based on environment, social and governance performance. That's what we call the ESG score. And we have a lot of data there. So we have ESG data for over 10,000 companies and for over 1 million securities. So the ESG coverage is close to uh, 100%. Um, and obviously, we don't want to invest in the laggards eh, in terms of, of ESG. So it's quite important to, to do a thorough analysis there. Um, but then I would say there, uh, after this, uh, the interesting part comes. Uh, um, we try to estimate to which extent companies um, operate in line with the SDGs. And this is what we do together with, uh, with Aegon. Uh, So we end up with a portfolio of companies that either do well both on the ESG and the SDG side, or they either do well on the ESG side or on the SDG side. So we have companies that need to improve on their ESG score, or we have companies that can do more in terms of operating in line with the SDGs. Mm. Do you then think, Bruno, that this uh, investment universe is sufficiently broad? Like how many companies do you currently see that you find uh, financially attractive? You know, from the initial analysis that we've done, we have seen uh, definitely a, a sufficiently broad universe. What we, what I particularly like about the process is our ability to override and challenge the view of external data vendors and come up with our own proprietary impact assessment which defines the investment universe. I think if you were solely relying on external data vendors, you might find some some tricky restrictions that you'd end up putting yourself into. Uh, And it's important to do this qualitative analysis on top that doesn't just rely on revenues, for instance, but it also looks at things like CapEx, research and development strategy and targets of the company. Uh, And the other important point here is that the committee can also propose additional names based on their potential impact profile off benchmark, uh, which provides an additional flexibility and an active approach to the company selection process. Right. And Vincent, what would you say then in public equity market investments, what is essential to achieve a certain outcome? Yeah, I think this is a really good question. eh? And um, yeah, I must say we've spent a lot of time discussing this. Because in private markets, eh, so with private equity or private debt, um, eh, you can perhaps claim additionality. 
Um, although there's also discussion about this, uh, because there's so much money and capital available at this moment that almost in every situation, uh, there's another investor waiting in line behind you. Uh, but with public equity investments, uh, you can't claim uh, additionality. Uh, the money is already with the company that you invest in. So here again, uh, it comes down to the influence that you can have by means of engagement, uh, but for instance, also by means of voting and collaborating with others. Um, so it's good to mention that I think have factually, uh, in all cases, um, the impact that is realized is on the company level. It's the, the, the impact of the company or the project that you invest in. It's not the impact of the investor itself. Uh, Bruno, maybe you can tell us how do you engage with those companies? What's your uh, process? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of asset managers out there are really focused on numbers, right? So they, they're really focused on bulk uh, letter sending, uh, there is relatively limited uh, follow-up to some of these topics. In our view, more is, is not better, but at the end of the day, it's really about quality. We're trying to achieve quality and a deeper engagement. So what we're trying to do is focus on building a constructive long-term relationship with the companies that we invest in. We try not to just reach out with negative comments and unhelpful uh, sort of uh, bashing of the companies, let's call it, uh, and try to actually build an interesting partnership with them where we fully understand their business and their constraints uh, and also uh, ensure that they understand our concerns and, and where we want them to go, set, set the appropriate expectations. Let's take it back, Bruno, to the statement from the beginning. Um, do you think more engagement with companies is needed to guide them to their shareholders' values? Yeah, I think it is important to look at a broader set of stakeholder interests uh, rather than just uh, shareholders uh, particularly uh, also issues that might not really be priced in or might be difficult to quantify. Um, aside from a growing number of investors are, are demanding that their investments are compatible with their beliefs and their values. And I think companies are starting to understand this better, you know, from the old shareholder mantra uh, or primacy of the shareholder mantra. You know, I think we are starting to see companies that are taking themselves uh, more seriously as corporate citizens, really, citizens of the world and really thinking through what is their impact on, on a multi multitude of stakeholders, not yeah. just their shareholders. Uh, Bruno, when we talk about impact investing, I think like any other type of investing, it has its challenges, of course. What kind of challenges do you see? Yeah, I think that the main sort of generic challenge of impact investment is indeed confusion in the market about what, what it really means. You know, that I still find many times being asked about impact investment and how much return do I have to give up? to do this impact investment. It's still very much associated by a lot of people as a philanthropic activity or some sort of philanthropic activity. And we at Aegon Asset Management, we stress that that is not the case. For us, impact investing means that you can still achieve your financial objectives. The only difference between that and traditional investing is that you're also setting alongside those financial objectives, a social and environmental objective, a measurable one. And so we're really trying to achieve uh, two objectives in parallel. And it is possible, in our view, to achieve both uh, without having to give up financial performance. Um, but aside from that, in the market, you know, there's a lot of um, calling everything impact at the moment, a little bit like we went through 15 years ago with green investments or, or sustainable investments, or we started calling greenwashing. There's now the term rainbow washing. 
uh, rainbow being the colors of the sustainable development goal. So everybody's keen to call their strategies impact strategies when you know it's it's relatively unclear what kind of impact those strategies are are having. Yeah. So, uh, Vincent, maybe when you see uh, impact investing in the broader context, uh, context so when you look at the EU uh, regulation, uh, what can you say, you know, how does this relate to their uh, view on sustainable investing? Yeah, I must say that both personally and professionally, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about the work of the European Commission. Uh, I think it's positive that we see sustainability very high on the agenda. And uh, also the Netherlands is quite well represented uh, now with, for instance, uh, Frans Timmermans uh, in his position. Um, and in the future, we need to ask, uh, as an industry, every client about their sustainability preferences. Um, yeah, we already do this, but there are obviously many banks in the European Union uh, that, that don't do this yet. So I think it's a huge shift that by law... Um, Everyone, every investment advisor will be required to ask its clients about sustainability. Um, and I think also with a taxonomy, huh, basically a dictionary for all the activities uh, that are sustainable. Um, yeah, it, it might be a game changer. I think the, the market and the industry will definitely change. I mean, finally, there's a clear answer for the definition of what is sustainable. Uh, and obviously, there's also a close link with the SDGs, uh, in particular with number 13 regarding climate. Uh, there's a close link there with uh, the EU uh, taxonomy. Uh, now, before I let you go, I'll give you one more opportunity to uh, elaborate on the statement I presented you with at the beginning of this podcast. Let me repeat it for you. Uh, only the public equity market can support the large scale solutions that are needed to solve the environmental and social issues that our planet is facing. And your answer was no. Why? Yeah, listen. I don't want to be dogmatic, yeah? so I, I won't say that you can only do this in one asset class. Uh, for sure, it's easier in one asset class compared to the other. Um, but I am convinced that we need the full mix of asset classes yeah, to align with the, the SDGs and the Paris Agreement. So it's not just listed equity or just private equity. It's also fixed income, other private markets. And I think yeah, we also need to take a look at more difficult alternative investment uh, categories. We also have to take them into consideration. And that is also what the EU regulation is aiming for. Uh, it should become mainstream and more capital should flow towards sustainable activities. I would like to thank today's guests, Vincent Trichain, Director of Sustainable Investing at Avian Amro, and Bruno Maradai, Global Head of Responsible Investment at Aegon Asset Management. This podcast about impact investing is offered to you by Aegon Asset Management and ABN AMRO. It was recorded as part of a series dedicated to the Fonts Event 2020 strategy shift. For more podcasts, please visit fontsevent.nl. And if you'd like to know more about impact investing, please check out the Aegon Asset Management website, aegonassetmanagement.com. Mm-hmm.